What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down 122.0. And we are playing a new game, new series here. Um, we're continuing on with our, our sequels, spinoffs, and spiritual successors, and we are playing both A Bird Story and Finding Paradise. And the correlation there is is that a long time ago we played a game called To the Moon, and Finding Paradise is the sequel to To the Moon. Today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. Looking forward to this game, actually, given uh, some reminiscing about To the Moon and remembering really enjoying it yeah yeah so i originally i was thinking i don't know if i'm gonna like this game but it was actually very endearing and i think legitimately almost made me cry a couple of times very very emotional game um the ending right there's a little bit of a mystery but i just remember a real powerful ending to that game yeah very I mean, they they hit some pretty hard subjects, right? You know, yeah. uh, somebody at the end of their life, um, and this company, S- Sigmus, is that the name of it? Sigmus? Sigmund? Sigmund? Sigmund Corporation, I think. Yeah, like Sigmund Freud, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm assuming this takes place in the near future, I guess. Yeah, that's... Um, and uh, what this company does is is that they come kind of like at a end of life care where um, uh, somebody is about to pass and they have to sign up for this this um, service where they uh, they have these two technicians who go into the mind of the person who is dying and can alter and change their memories. Um, so basically you end your life with whatever you asked for, you know, um, no, no well, it, yeah, no regrets, anything like that. Um, and it, it follows, uh, these two technicians that work for the company, um, Watts and, uh, Rosaline, I think is what it is. And, and very um, much a, a sequel because these are the same two characters from To the Moon, right? Yes, these are the same characters. Um, and well, I, f- I feel like both these games f- come off as the technicians are more of the catalyst for the story. You know, the the person who is dying is kind of like the main character. Um, and... Um, it feels like you can yeah. serialize it in that way, right? It's like the quirky adventures of these people getting lost in people's minds. Yeah. Right? Like, they, they, they may be the characters, but they're not, like, the story. They're not the heart of the story. That's usually going to be the, the the series of memories that they're unraveling and trying to set right, if if you will. Right. So, um, which I should say, we first played um, a game called A Bird Story. And a bird story is basically what bridges the gap between to the moon and finding paradise. Um, and once you figure, once you beat the the game, which only took like an hour, maybe hour and a half max for me, um, you realize it's it's 
the the kid that you're playing as is is the person who is who is going to be dying and finding paradise. It's basically the early stages of of the person's life. So in a bird story, there is zero dialogue. It is all just told by visual um, effects and stuff like that. Yeah, which is interesting uh, it, because you you definitely spend a little time interpreting the things around you because there isn't text to be reading, and I kind of kind of like that where it's it's the, the gameplay itself is very linear, but even just the interpretation of what is the situation the character is in, how are people reacting to him, you really have to like pay attention to the the small things around him. Colin, I believe is his name. And I, I kind of like that just because it's a, it, I don't want to say passive, but because, you know, you're, you're absorbing the story rather than being told it. But I don't know. I, I yeah. just, I liked it because there's a little bit more creativity, I feel like. Or if not, if not that the, the, the game itself is any more creative, there's more importance to those decisions because they're all you have. Right. Yeah, so uh, Bird Story has a, a child who I think you learn pretty quickly is, is kind of like a, uh, oh man, what's it called? A latchkey kid? Latchkey, yeah. Left home alone. Yeah. Left home alone. Um, you never see his parents. Um, and he, uh, he, he likes to make paper airplanes. So do you think um, he was lonely and a little bit of an outcast because his parents left him home? And he just kind of grew up maybe a bit more alone than, than other kids? Or do you think he was always just kind of a bit of a loner? And uh, I don't... Yeah, it's hard to tell a little bit for, for me. Like, Yeah. His parents are clearly like... Clearly, they were like written out of this story because they're not important. And clearly, right. he's in in almost all of his interactions, he's a he's a kind of a lonely, creative kid. He entertains himself. He plays with himself. Um, but I, you know, my my first thought to that was like, why or like how is this just? Has he always been like this or? Is he a product of his abandonment from his parents? Are we are we meant to read that his parents are abandoning him? You know, and so that's right. the kind of thing that the, the game never really says explicitly, and so you're kind of left to your own devices to interpret the kind of the impact. And I mean, that's not really a part of the story, so it's it's just definitely yeah. a side tangent that my brain went on when you know just when seeing this kid kind of by himself a lot. Yeah, but um. Kid goes to school. Um, seems like his teacher doesn't like him too much. He gets in trouble a lot. Gets kicked out of the classroom. Yeah, kid makes fun of him um, a little bit. Like at one point, they take his little paper airplane and throw it at the teacher, and then she gets mad at him. And so they're kind yeah. of like pranking him. And nobody plays with him at the uh, at the playground. Yeah, seesaw is kind of boring um, with one person. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, I guess he's walking home from school one day, and he 
think he sees that a, a what looks like a damn badger. Yeah, there's a bit of a ruckus <laughs> um, in, the, in the woods. Yeah. And uh, a bird is getting chased by a, a, an animal. And he uh, he wards it off, scares it away. And the bird's injured. Um, can't can't fly anymore because it hurt its wing. So he he takes it home with him, and uh, basically wants to nurse it back to health. Um, he he eventually takes it to the vet. And it seems like, you know, this is obviously done through no text at all, but like just visually. And I think they do have like some thought bubbles that pop up occasionally. Yeah, sometimes like happy faces and stuff or or rain clouds yeah. or something like that to abstract, abstract his thoughts a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the vet obviously wants to keep the bird there, I guess, to make sure it gets well. Well, he's kind of you know, taking a liking to the bird. So he wants to keep it for himself. So he, as the vet goes back into the back to get something, the bird and him's gone. Oh no. So he, he runs out and the kids ran off with the bird, takes it back home with him. And you see, you see throughout this, this story, um, the bird's very apprehensive to the kid to begin with, but he starts feeding it. Um, and uh, giving it water and stuff like that. And eventually the bird, you know, starts to come around and, and hangs out with him and stuff like that and becomes his little friend, his little companion. He watches TV with it and he's uh, playing with it. He's making air, paper airplanes and throwing them and, and they're jumping through little puddles together and stuff like that. Playing fetch planes. It's, <laughs> yeah, playing fetch and stuff like that. And um, he starts, he brings it to school, has a show and tell with the bird and and uh, all the kids are really liking it because it's, it's the kid with the bird, and they're all playing with him and stuff like that. So things are kind of turning around for him, seems like. Yeah, but uh, like he's stealing the bird. Obviously, the bird's kind of happy to be there, and uh, yeah. makes a little home in his backpack. Yep. And then on the balcony, he has like a little tree shrub that the bird kind of nests in. Um, and one little fun height this... where he keeps like sticking his head out trying to find the bird. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of parts here where I feel like the kid's imagination kind of runs a little wild. Um, he gets uh, you know, we we do have a couple of um, couple of scenes where he's he's doing things that obviously did not actually happen. Like flying on a giant paper airplane, or getting launched on the seesaw uh, up into space. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of this stuff is obviously in the kid's imagination. Which I I really love the way they do that throughout the game. How kind of the environments are blending into each other. Yeah. Because yeah, that happened multiple times. Yeah, I mean sometimes it'll be like the forest is like, and he he, he steps out of the forest into his living room, and all of a sudden he's watching TV, and then two steps later he's in school. And, you know, it just comes across as very dreamlike or like memories getting jumbled a little bit. And from what I remember about To the Moon, you know, it's a little bit total recall with the memory implantation. But the fact that you've got these two scientists going in and messing with the mind, you know, for, for me, it's still very um, 
Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I've never seen that movie. Uh, it's in my top ten. I, I absolutely adore that movie, but you know, without trying to spoil anything, they're they're in a mind and they're kind of going through mind and memories, and and because of that, people are like escaping from one memory to another, and because of that, things are blending into each other, like you know, just as as an image, they you know they they crawl into bed and pull the covers up over their face, I think, and they open it, and that bed is like isolated on a beach with the with the waves coming in, and it has that same kind of one environment blending into another, that that is really evoked for me in this game and you know the the whole concept of of this game and to the moon and finding paradise is all very eternal sunshine for me and uh i just i, I really like that style linking it together and that also fitting with the fact that they are uh in this character's mind i just uh, i really yeah. really enjoy that part of their visual storytelling yeah so I, I guess it actually happened. I'm not sure. The vet starts to chase after them, finds them, and wants to get the bird back. That could be another part of the imagination running wild. Um, and uh, he thinks he loses the bird. He falls from the sky. That obviously did not happen. And um, he's, he goes back home and He's he's sad because there's you know the bird's gone now we don't know where it's at, but he goes out to the balcony and the bird's there, and uh, the bird now shows him that hey I can fly now, so you know you can take off this bandage off my wing. He's now got a companion, and um, basically the last thing you do in this game is let the bird go. The bird's in his hand, and you have to release the bird and the bird flies off with his companion after you get that one and long section it. on the on the paper airplane where basically you're trying to find uh, a nest or a mate for the bird yeah and none of them yeah, are going to different little islands yeah floating islands in the sky mm-hmm. and then you get the part where you're like is it after the the bird leaves and you're trying to find it and you're on the paper airplane again and you're you're in the middle of a lightning storm that's whenever you're getting chased yeah that's when yeah that's when you, you're getting you chased escape. You escape onto it yeah yeah and then that's whenever the lightning hits the paper airplane and you fall down and then you lose the bird but then the bird shows back up at his house and yeah it, I mean so you didn't know this but at the very end it shows that you know the classic to the moon timeline of young child, teenager, you know, 20 something middle aged old person. And it was showing this is the beginning of the life of the next person. So that is the end of a bird story. So and very we well, I guess, to... been a part of, uh, a part of finding paradise really, but you know, calling it out as its own little story, I I thought was nice, right? It doesn't have any real mystery to it, and it kind of ends on a little bit of a cliched note, like, if you love it, let it go, but, you know, I thought it was well done. I, I really enjoyed some of the, the moments, and I loved the, the way it was presented. Yeah, yeah, I did too. It was really nice. A game I would never necessarily but want to play through again, but it was it was a really 
a really nice one-off. Yeah, yeah. A bird story. When did that release? A bird story. 2014 was when that released. And then... I think it was three years before Finding Paradise. Paradise. Finding Paradise was 2017. This guy takes his time with his stuff. Well, no, I think... I think the third game in the series is out, right? Is it? Yeah. Finding Paradise sequel. It's Imposter Factory? Imposter Factory. Seems not to have made much of an impression. I didn't really realize it was out until I was looking around earlier. When did that come out? September of 2021. Oh. Yeah, still at the same point. Four more years for that next. I think Imposter Factory is kind of like a bird story. It's a short one. Like a teaser for the next game. Yeah, yeah. That could be. Yeah. I'm going to explain why it didn't get a whole lot of press. It's a big, big release by them. Right. So, yeah, we go into Finding Paradise. And we now meet our our person, uh, Colin is his name, who is a ex-pilot. Uh, I guess he was a commercial airlines pilot. Um, uh, we then go into the roles of our two technicians, uh, Watts and Rosaline. And um, their antics together. Uh, he's definitely a little goofy. He's a little goofy. Rosaline, it, it almost comes off as like Rosaline doesn't like him. He's annoying as hell. But it seems like they both kind of like each other. It's just, it's playful, but yet they still get aggravated at each other a lot. Um, and, you know, they're on their way to, to you know, do this service. Um... Colin is now on his deathbed. Uh, he has a wife uh, who is still in good health and a son. And when arriving there, um, we have to ask, what is your wish? Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to give you your final wish before you pass away. And, you know, there's there's parts in this beginning where they're kind of like re-explaining how this works, basically. Yeah. Um, they make a joke and you can choose like to genie. go through it or not. Yeah. But um, the, 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 the first mystery is, well, what does he want? Because nobody knew. He, he, didn't, he didn't actually say. Um, one of the other mysteries that we get is we forgot the paperwork. We thought we, we forgot the paperwork at the office. Watts forgot it. So we call up, um, I, I guess another technician. I can't, I, I, she didn't come off like a technician. She came off more like a secretary. Uh, I thought it was more of a secretary, but maybe a technician. Yeah. Um, and when she goes into Watts office to get the paperwork, she finds something. 
Like there's there's like a a, a secret hideaway cubby she in Watts' office. <laughs> yeah. And then she changes her tone. So instead of like faxing it over or, or, or I guess not faxing, scanning it over to them, um, she says she's just going to drive up there and give it to them. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Okay, whatever. But um, yeah, so uh, the first big mystery we have is what does this guy want? What is his final wish? So we jack into his head and um, we start at the, at the last memory that he had, which was him basically confirming that he wanted to have this service done. And that they always were able to connect to the conscious because that memory knows, oh, I'm at I'm on my deathbed, and you guys are here to give me my last wish. We ask him out, right? What What do you want? And he's like, well, why don't you just go back and see? Like, you can use the mementos and go back on my memories and you can find out that way. Because he very specifically says, I want you to change something, but I don't want you to change. But leave everything. Yeah, leave, leave everything the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, leave everything intact. Changed anything, basically. I think there's more to it than that. Obviously, I think I think there is. Um, we haven't finished this. We we didn't make it very far into Finding Paradise. We're gonna do that l- next. But um, yeah. So that's that's the kind of the first reveal is that he wants he wants to live a fulfilled life, and all the supporting characters are kind of like you did though. And it- you know you. Even just that as a mystery is interesting because it's like anybody could think at their own life and say, you know, what could I have done differently or what did I not do that I wish I had? And at the same time be like, I'm not sure I would want to change anything because had I done something differently, what would I have missed out on that I'm happy I did? And so it's, you know, it's such a good premise for these games just generally because – I feel like everybody's life has puts and takes and and things that you might want to change, but, you know, then the butterfly effect, you might not want to change anything. And, you know, so I imagine most people would be in the same dilemma that Colin's in here where like, yeah, maybe I regret some things, but would I actually change my life or do I think any other path through my life might've been better? Uh, You know, I'm not sure I would want that if, if I had to roll the dice and see what a different life might look like, maybe you never would, no matter how many regrets you have. And that almost says as much about the person as it does about the life lived. Yeah, I think well, I think the lesson of this story, I could be wrong, but I think the lesson of the story is that everybody has regrets. It's It's not about having no regrets. It's about accepting the stuff that you had. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. I could be wrong, though. Because um, I feel like that's a good life lesson. There's plenty of times I'm just like, man, I wish I'd have done this. Yeah, but you didn't. And 
you still turned out just fine. I mean, it's it's interesting you know? when you think of that in the context of the statements like, if you can't control it, don't worry about it, right? Like, focus on where you are now and how to make things better rather than dwelling on what you can't change about the past. Well, this is an interesting alternative because you can care about the past. You You, you have at least the opportunity to say, maybe I should worry about it because I could, at least in this one instant before my death, I could fix that thing that I've been dwelling on. Whereas everyone else in our world can't fix it. So you might as well not worry about it. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it raises just a lot of like moral questions about, you know, what, how much value do you put on, on what you've done? Right. Because it makes sense that you would, discount alternative lifelines if you can't get there anyway because it's purely theoretical yeah i i i like it i, re- I really dig the basic premise of this of these of these games yeah there's some there's some heavy stuff when you think about it especially the first the first game like i had almost forgotten how much i i, I really like that ending but to have maybe not been able to connect with that like soulmate and understand how to get some closure on that life and having, having forgotten who it was that you, you know, what you were even planning to do in life because of old age or or drugs or whatever. Um, I just, I, I I really like the end of that. And I'm, as I try to think about what this story might look like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, how in the first game he really was able to right or wrong. So in some ways it makes sense that I think your, your kind of prediction is right, where if there's a moral to this game, it might be kind of the opposite that you, you can't always fix things and maybe you should accept what you, the choices that you've made and the life that you've built for yourself, because whatever alternatives there might be either could be way worse or no more fulfilling or you'd lose the things that you, you have loved about your current life. So yeah, absolutely wasn't the theme of the first game as I remember it. So might make sense that they show an alternative version here. The, um, you, 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 you made me think of something else. Another, a Nick Cage joint, the family man. Yeah. It's on my annual playlist. There you go. But, um, yeah. Uh, the, after going back, we go back to uh, him and his son. His son was going off to college or going to start a new job. I can't remember. And, of course, they were having thoughts him and his wife both were having thoughts of um you know maybe he should get married you know find a nice girl settle down kind of thing and go back again so we should talk about the mechanics a little bit so whenever you go into a memory you have to go and find these orbs and you get these orbs by seeing what has happened in this memory you know what's what's so important about this memory and then you unlock basically another memento um it's your your thread through so you memories have, right linking the yeah, linking the yeah. mementos yeah and what makes what makes this object you know 
important throughout that life kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to imagine if they go back to, so, so one of the big things is, is we're going back to maybe a year earlier or maybe in a few months earlier, him and his wife are kind of having arguments about, I want to have this service done. You know, I, I want to have my memories changed. And his wife is like, why you, do you regret us? Do you regret your child? You know, why, why, why change anything? You definitely good expect life. some, um, if not resentment, at least hurt or questioning, like I'm, I'm a part of your life and you don't want it anymore. Yeah, you don't want to remember me. He's never explicit um, with what it is that he wants to change. Yeah. He's he's basically just like, I can't answer that question. I remember him saying that. It's like, what do you want me to say? I don't know. Which I'm, I'm sure wouldn't go over very well. <laughs> no. No. But um, uh, eventually we, we, we find a book after an argument that uh, the the Colin and his wife have um, his journal, right? The I think it's his journal. Yeah. And when we we go back in time with it, we go back to when he was a child. And of course, Watts and Rosling are like, "Why the hell did we go back this far? Like, we usually don't skip." It's usually this sequentially stuff. just like going we... backwards in life. Yeah, until you reach but this one is like whatever. I, I don't, is that the, is that what it was? Where you go backwards until you reach the key focal point that you're trying to change? Not necessarily that you would yeah. always go back to childhood, because like if if somebody loved their childhood and they wish they had joined, I don't know, the army instead of the navy, you'd only go back to that point when they made that decision, right? Right. Yeah. So the the problem is is we don't know how to how to fix this because it's like I want you to. You know, I want you to change things to where I have a fulfilled life, but don't change anything major kind of thing. No direction, and but so then also we, we don't... make me happier without telling you how to make me happier. <laughs> exactly. So we really have no direction. So that's kind of like why we're jumping all around. But also I think it's because, you know, certain objects that we we jump from. It's something like that journal. He's had it since he was a child. So when we jumped, we jumped back to his childhood, and we see we finally get to see the the uh, the latchkey kid. Uh, the parents are there. They both have to leave. I don't know what that means. Both parents going to work. It sounded like they were almost leaving for days. Yeah, which is something I didn't really get, right? Because. Even just the thinking in a bird story, like there's definitely the way I saw it, a feeling of abandonment. But on the other hand, they left you notes. I, I assume every day on the door. So that's what I was thinking. So it, it it may not be that they were abandoned. They're just choosing to show you, or, or he's just remembering the parts of his life where his parents weren't around for whatever reason. Maybe they. Maybe they were there every night and just he didn't interact with them much. I don't know. I guess. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, um, 
and uh, I, I don't know if this happens before a bird story or after a bird story, but um, he now has like a little stuffed animal that he is friends with made me think and does things earlier. with. Washington. Just because earlier just because i assume he's younger if he's got a, a stuffed animal best friend right so um and then from there we jump to uh back to i wouldn't say old age but older age does he say how old he's he a is pilot he's a kid because doesn't uh, i could have swore at one point he says how old he is i didn't see that 11 or 12 or 14 and Not sure. Maybe not. And then we jump where he's a pilot. He's piloting his final flight before he retires, I guess. And um, I think he, he brought his son and wife with him on this flight. And he's wanting to uh, bring them into the cockpit to see that wonderful view. You get a little bit more funny banter in the cockpit as well. Yeah. With him and his co-pilot. Yeah. We just keep saying yes, Captain. Yep. It's like, that's the only thing I want to hear out of your mouth is yes, yes, Captain, and the landing gear is ready. And he just says yes, Captain, the whole time. He's like, you know, I was just kidding, right? It seems like this guy is... And I think they pushed it. It was like he was always kind of well-respected. People liked him a lot. He was very, you know, charismatic. Which is interesting, actually. That's one of my favorite things about the way they split the game, because half of what I'm thinking here is if I didn't have the history of a bird story, what would I think about him at this point in his life? I would just think, oh, look, he's a successful pilot. You know, it's 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 purely the mystery of his life, but... You know, he seems to be fairly happy. You know, he had a child, had a had a wife, had a life, whatever. But with the, with the context of the bird story coming beforehand, I see him as inherently a loner now, because of because of how he was as a child. Right. And so I I just like that's like permeating all these all these interactions he's having either with his wife and in, in the decision to change something in his life or even now with him as the pilot, like was he uncomfortable that whole time? If, if he was seen as successful and, you know, and charming and entertaining and, and all that, like, is that a thing that he, is that the person he became throughout his life or, is that the persona that he put on and maybe his whole life he's felt like an imposter because he's been trying to be this outgoing person, but that's not who he is. I mean, again, maybe that's reading hmm. way too much into the, the links between this here, but it's the kind of thing that I, I really enjoyed while playing a bird story is like thinking about how, what these things mean in the background. But now having played a bird story right before jumping into Finding Paradise, that link feels as strong as it could be. And I'm just wondering how much of the childhood that we got a glimpse of actually matters to this game. Or was it just a, a frivolous side story that is charming in its own right but doesn't have any bearing on, on Finding Paradise? I tend to think it probably right. will matter, but 
I'm not sure how. I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. I guess we'll see. Unfortunately, that is where I stopped. <laughs> we'll have to continue playing. And and one thing I did min I shouldn't I should mention that we the the quality of this podcast may be rough uh, because both Matt and I are in hotel rooms. We are currently traveling for work, so we are recording this on laptops with not the best internet. So hopefully it sounds okay. If not, whatever. <laughs> Unlikely we'll both be traveling at we the same a- time again anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. I will be traveling for the next episode as well. So I'll be right here in this hotel doing it again. So um, we did have an email. Uh, This email is not about Finding Paradise. It's about Halo Reach. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't get this until after we had recorded. So you'll have to forgive me for that. It comes in from Daniel. It says, hey guys, I grew up with Halo starting with Combat Evolved and stayed a diehard fan all the way to Halo 4 before I fell off, only within the last year or so having played Halo 5. My copy of Infinite is still largely untouched. That said, I read the first several novels back when I was immersed in the Halo series, and the idea of Reach and the other Spartans always intrigued me so much. I can still remember first hearing about the game and how excited I was to get to play a game set in this period of time and location of the series, and boy, did it not disappoint. While my memories of overall experience have faded over the years since uh, the first and only playthrough, I generally remember enjoying the majority of the overall experience. A recollection of the final mission, Lone Wolf, remains ever-present. The desperate feeling I felt as Noble Six became the last survivor, the creeping hopelessness, as I realized that there was no way my relatively unknown hero was going to make it out alive like the Chief had done so many times before when I played his story. Uh, The end was so emotional and impactful, and despite the somber end to our hero, the last scene to the Chief of the Chief escaping the planet, knowing the tremendous weight and victory that would bring about made the sacrifice worthwhile, made it almost beautiful in a way. I loved Reach and its bold ending. Daniel. Well well said, because I really enjoy that. Absolutely. I really enjoy that ending as well. Yeah, I liked Halo Reach a good amount. In fact, I would say it was probably my favorite Halo game that I played. What was that? I I keep going back to that one touch point on on the PSP God of War. Where your daughter's trying to hug you and you're actively mashing buttons to push them away. And I, I feel like that, similar to the ending of Halo for me, is a little bit of like a, an, a, a gameplay abstraction of what is, you know, a very emotional moment. You know, and it, and it really yeah. is that dawning of, yeah, you're going to die here and there's nothing you can do about it. Like the idea that you're still fighting and how long do you fight before you give up, right? That's. That's you know that could be extrapolated to anyone in in any number of movies in any zombie apocalypse. How, do you keep fighting or do you just give in and end it? Yep, save that last bullet for yourself. And it's kind of a heavy thing, but you know the gameplay is not really any different. You're just you're just shooting at bad guys, but the the importance of it, the impact of it, far transcends the actual gameplay of the moment. And I, I always think of that moment in God of War because it was the same thing for me. Button mashing does yeah. not correlate with pushing your own daughter away from you. Yeah. Some good moments. 
Absolutely. Thank you for that email, Daniel. And if you would like to send us an email, it is drew at ztgd.com. You can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But that's uh, that's going to be it for us. Um, small little episode, but that's okay. Uh, under the circumstances of me being in another state away from my wife, I think we did all right. But uh, yeah, we'll be uh, continuing on with uh, Finding Paradise next. And then we have not decided on what we're going to do after that. I'm assuming we're going to go back to Greedfall, which was originally what we had chosen, if I can find the time to play it. Uh, New job, all that kind of stuff. Oh, man. A lot has happened in the past couple of weeks. (laughs) But uh, we're going to make it through that. Until next time, though, I am Drew. I'm Matt. And we are out of here. You guys have a great week. And we'll be back next week with the continuation and conclusion to Finding Paradise. Thank you.